0: Hello, my rebels. Tonight, we're actually doing a live stream from the U.S. presidential debates. We think we'll be up till, oh, I don't know, 3 a.m., maybe even later. But we put together this compilation of the best of our Trump coverage over the years, starting with when Trump came down that escalator in Trump Tower way back when. I listened to his speech and I thought, you know what? He's serious. So here's the best of Trump. Uh, Let me invite you to subscribe. To become a Rebel News Plus subscriber, it's eight bucks a month. You get the video version of this podcast, and it's a good way to support Rebel News. Just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. Okay, here's today's podcast. Tonight, we're doing a special six-hour US election live stream tonight, and it's on right now. So please join us over there, or enjoy today's Ezra LeVant Show, the best of our Trump coverage. Why should others go to jail why? when you're a biggest carbon 85. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why i is because it. it's, it's my bloody right to do so. Hello my friends, if you're watching this on the night of November 3rd, you can also catch us live right now on our YouTube live stream. We're going to be covering the election results all night in the US and we're planning to stay up as late as 3am, maybe later if necessary. Most of our rebel team will be involved. Plus, Ben Weingarten, one of the most interesting commentators in U.S. politics. So please tune in over there on our YouTube channel. But let me leave you with some quality viewing over here. Tonight, let me invite you to look at some of our favorite Trump videos over the years, including to when he first threw his hat in the ring. Here's a very first video when I came out as a Trumper. It was way back when Donald Trump first announced he was running for president I got to say, when I first heard it, I laughed. I thought, was this just some celebrity stunt to get more media coverage for the boss of The Apprentice TV shows? But as I listened to his speech, I realized, no, he's actually dead serious. And he was great. Take a look at my first take on Donald Trump. So Donald Trump announced that he's going to throw his hat in the ring to be the presidential nominee for the Republican Party. And I have to admit that before I listened to his announcement, I was extremely skeptical. I thought, oh, he's just doing this for a PR boost. He's a showman, and empresario. This is probably just to get some celebrity, some publicity to promote his next book, his next TV show, his next reality show. And so I have to tell you, I was very skeptical. But then I watched his speech and before you knew it, I was thinking, he's got a good point there and I wish the other guys could say that. I wanna take you through about five or 10 little clips from his speech. So this is gonna be about a 10 or 15 minute video, but I promise you, you will find what he says refreshing and maybe even a little inspiring. I have to say, watching Donald Trump's announcement speech increased my respect for him and made me say, you know what? He probably wouldn't be a bad president. Here, let's start with his comments about
1: when was the last time America was a winner? Take a listen. Our country is in serious trouble. We don't have victories anymore. We used to have victories, but we don't have them. When was the last time anybody saw us beating, let's say, China in a trade deal? They kill us. I beat China all the time, all the time. When did we beat Japan at anything? They send their cars over by the millions. And what do we do? When was the last time you saw a Chevrolet in Tokyo? It doesn't exist, folks. They beat us all the time when do we beat mexico at the border they're laughing at us at our stupidity and now they're beating us economically they are not our friend believe me but they're killing us economically donald trump's got a style you think well that's braggadocio he's
0: just saying he's a winner he's a winner the other guys are losers but you know in in many interactions between countries there is a winner and a loser and i think he's put his finger on it where is america riding tall in the saddle like under the reagan years where is america winning You don't even hear the desire for America to be number one in Obama or Hillary Clinton. He also did something I think a lot of professional politicians are shy about. He talked about illegal immigration from Mexico without worrying about being politically incorrect. Here, listen to him take a very hard line on this.
1: When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. But I speak to border guards, and they tell us what we're getting. And it only makes common sense. It only makes common sense. They're sending us not the right people. It's coming from more than Mexico. It's coming from all over South and Latin America, and it's coming Probably, probably, from the Middle East. But we don't know, because we have no protection, and we have no competence. We don't know what's happening. And it's gotta stop, and it's gotta stop fast.
0: It takes some courage to say that, but I have to say it is actually a progressive position to be against illegal immigration. I mean, first of all, America has a ton of legal immigration. It's not like America is against Immigrants, But as he points out, these people sneaking across the border from Mexico are not the world's most attractive immigrants. But if you care about poor people, why would you bring in untrained, unskilled, uneducated competitors to compete against your American citizens who have to pay taxes? Not only does it drive down labor costs, but maybe it drives up housing costs. I think that Donald Trump just doesn't have the politically correct BS of everyone who tiptoes around that subject. Here's another quote that I really thought was just plain old common sense on foreign policy. When I think of Donald Trump, I don't think foreign policy, but listen to him to talk about how we frittered away our hard-won victory, or Americans' hard-won victory in Iraq. Take a listen to this.
1: Iran is taking over Iraq, and they're taking it over big league. We spent... $2 $2 trillion dollars in Iraq, $2 trillion. We lost thousands of lives, thousands in Iraq. We have wounded soldiers who I love, I love. They're great, all over the place. Thousands and thousands of wounded soldiers. And we have nothing, we can't even go there, we have nothing. And every time we give Iraq equipment, the first time a bullet goes off in the air, they leave it. Last week I read 2,300 Humvees, these are big vehicles, were left behind for the enemy. 2,000, you would say maybe two, maybe four, 2,300 sophisticated vehicles they ran, and the enemy took him. He's right and it's awful
0: because Barack Obama pulled out the troops precipitously now the Iraqis abandon uh, their positions at the first whiff of gunpowder. Things are actually worse there now. It's, it's it, the amount of blood and treasure that is being spent. Donald Trump says it more clearly than many foreign policy experts. I have to say I was watching the speech I was liking it more and more. But I think Maybe the most important thing he said was just a general comment on himself and his personality and style versus Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Do you love America? Are you a booster? Are you a cheerleader? Because that's sort of what Donald Trump is. I mean, he makes deals, but he's a high-level guy. I don't think these days he gets right into the minutiae of it. But he has a momentum and a confidence, and he points out that America lacks it. Listen to what he says he thought Barack Obama would be like in 2008 versus what Obama has been like. Take a listen.
1: You know, when President Obama was elected, I said, well, the one thing I think he'll do well, I think he'll be a great cheerleader for the country. I think he'd be a great spirit. He was vibrant. He was young. I really thought that he would be a great cheerleader. Not a He's not a leader, that's true. You're right about that. But he wasn't a cheerleader. He's actually a negative force. He's been a negative force. He wasn't a cheerleader. He was the opposite.
0: I think that's very perceptive. Maybe it's so obvious, but just coming out and saying, when was the last time Barack Obama said, America is the best, we're the greatest? And as a Canadian, obviously, I feel that Canada is the best country, but every country should have some pride and some nationalism. And in the United States, it's important to all the rest of us in the free world that America has a pride and a greatness because, frankly, they are the engine of freedom. They are the engine that protects us, and they're the engine of a lot of our prosperity. Now, uh, Donald Trump started talking about the elephant in the room: his style, his lavish and opulent lifestyle, his money, and this has been an Achilles' heel for the Republicans as recently as last election when Mitt Romney. A man who made hundreds of millions of dollars as an entrepreneur was painted as a rich Wall Street guy. Of course he was a rich Wall Street guy. He earned it though, unlike say Hillary Clinton who billed out speeches for a quarter million bucks a pop to foreign countries who got favors from the Secretary uh, Secretary of State. Here's how Donald Trump takes on that issue. He doesn't hide. He's not shy. He's not embarrassed. He leans into the wind and says, you think I'm rich?
1: I'm even richer than you think. Here, take a listen. So I have a total net worth, and now with the increase, it'll be well over $10 billion, but here, a total net worth of $8 billion, net worth, not assets, not liability, a net worth. After all debt, after all expenses, the greatest assets, Trump Tower, 1290 Avenue of the Americas, Bank of America building in San Francisco, 40 Wall Street, sometimes referred to as the Trump Building, right opposite the New York City. Many other places, all over the world. So the total is eight billion seven hundred thirty-seven million five hundred forty thousand dollars. Now, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that to brag, because you know what? I don't have to brag. I don't have to. Believe it or not. I'm doing that to say that that's the kind of thinking our country needs. And you know, he's got a point. The reason why
0: people like Donald Trump, those who do, is because he made it. Yes, he was born into a wealthy family, but he added a bunch of zeros to it. And you can see him fighting every day. He had his ups and he had his downs. And he is a winner, a builder of wealth. All of America used to be that way. American dreams were about coming dirt poor to America looking up at the skyscrapers when you arrived in New York City and saying, one day I'm going to own that, one day I'm going to build that. It's not about the, you know, if you're poor staying poor or being an entitled welfare case. Barack Obama has entrenched welfareism and entitlementism. Donald Trump is saying, no, I'm rich. I'm richer than you think. I want to tell you how rich I am and I want you to be the same way. Is it crass cheerleading? You could call it that, or you could call it someone who hasn't forgotten the American dream and wants to spy, inspire millions of others. Inspire millions of others. I think America is missing a little bit of Donald Trump. I want to give you his summary comments. I mean, at the end of his speech, he just went through and checked a bunch of boxes. I gotta tell you, he did a good job. You be the judge and tell me what you think. Take a listen.
1: Just to sum up. I would do various things very quickly. I would repeal and replace the big lie, Obamacare. I would build a great wall, and nobody builds walls better than me, believe me, and I'll build them very inexpensively. I will build a great, great wall on our southern border and I will have Mexico pay for that wall. Mark my words. Nobody would be tougher on ISIS than Donald Trump, nobody. I will find within our military, I will find the General Patton, or I will find General MacArthur. I will find the right guy. I will find the guy that's going to take that military and make it really work. Nobody, nobody will be pushing us around. I will stop Iran from getting nuclear weapons. And we won't be using a man like Secretary Kerry that has absolutely no concept of negotiation, who's making a horrible and laughable deal, who's just being tapped along as they make weapons right now, and then goes into a bicycle race at 72 years old and falls and breaks his leg. I won't be doing that. And I promise I will never be in a bicycle race, that I can tell you i will immediately terminate president obama's illegal executive order on immigration immediately (laughs) fully support and back up the second amendment
0: imagine that a new york city guy standing up for the second amendment he's got a common sense i think donald trump spends his life with real People, Yeah, sometimes with celebrities and tycoons and fashion models, but I think he actually gets out into the real world enough and interacts with real people much more than those inside the beltway types. And his mocking of John Kerry's bicycle accident, I think it's right on point. Donald Trump is a hardball negotiator. He wrote a book on the subject. You could not do worse than Barack Obama in his negotiations with everyone from China to Iran. I don't think Donald Trump will become the nominee, but I think he taps into a vein of Americans saying, the America in 2016, 2015, is not the America that we're supposed to have. We need someone to make it great again. People who think that, they'll look at Donald Trump and say, I don't know if he's the man to govern, but he's certainly the man to cheerlead and to point the way. Oh, I was an early Trumper, that's for sure, and my God, is he delivered. Sure, he's rough and rude sometimes, so what? Look what he's actually done. Now, right after his election in November 2016, I made this short video about Donald Trump fighting with some Saudi prince. I wrote this video quickly and didn't give it too much thought, but it went on to become my most watched video ever. More than 5 million people watched this. Take a look. So the Saudis cut a $25 million check to the Clinton Foundation, as you probably know. I mean, it was a ruse. Governments don't need to donate money to charities. They could spend the money themselves directly. They don't need tax receipts, which is what a charity would offer a regular donor. The Saudis could just give money to whatever they like. And look, they're dictators. They're not particularly known for their humanitarianism. Can we be honest, please? It was a $25 million down payment on a Hillary Clinton presidency. It was influence buying a legal bribe, though I don't think it would have been legal for anyone other than a Clinton to do. Anyways, the Saudis were pretty pleased with themselves. Every poll and every expert said Hillary Clinton was gonna win, and then she lost. Well, I'm guessing there are a lot of voicemails on Clinton's phone, a lot of emails going to whatever secret email service she's using now, asking for a refund, but look at this. Here are a few comments made by Saudi Arabia's most well-known prince, Prince Al-Walid Talal, billionaire, investor, owns huge chunks of Citibank and the Four Seasons Hotel, and also Fox News, and also Twitter. He's a Saudi prince who owns huge swaths of American media, and he lives like you'd expect a Saudi billionaire to live, yachts, jets. Anyways, he hates Donald Trump, Because Trump is against terrorists. And Saudi Arabia is a global exporter of terrorism. That's where 15 of the 19 terrorists on 9-11 came from. That's where Osama bin Laden came from. That's where the extremist Wahhabi form of Islam comes from. So yeah, I'm glad this prince hates Trump. Would be weird if he didn't. But here's what I'm really glad about. It's that he doesn't own Trump like he owned the Clintons with the millions of dollars in gifts from Saudi Arabia to the Clintons, from Saudis and the Qataris and the Moroccans and the United Arab Emirates and a bunch of other Arab tyrants. Trump didn't take Arab state money. So look at this. Donald Trump, you are a disgrace, not only to the GOP, but to all America. Withdraw from the US presidential race as you will never win. <laughs> That's what he wrote. Really? So you're a billionaire who would, in real life, would just be a beggar riding a camel were it not for the sheer luck that your family dictatorship sits on an ocean of oil, but this desert twerp is going to tell Donald Trump what to do. He kept at it. Here, a little bit later, he did this tweet, and it said, President Obama, your mosque speech shames Donald Trump comments against 1.4 billion Muslims. Thank you for your wise leadership. I love you. So yeah, uh, like you, I'm completely shocked that shocked some Muslim Saudi prince loves the Muslim U.S. president, Barack Hussein Obama. And I'm not saying Obama is a practicing Muslim. I'm saying that under Sharia law, he is legally a Muslim because his father was Muslim. And look at Prince Walid suck up to him, eh? But look, you can't stump the Trump. Trump wasn't going to take this abuse lying down. He wrote back, oh, get this, he said... Dopey Prince Awaleed Talal wants to control our US politicians with daddy's money. Can't do it when I get elected. Trump 2016, how awesome is that? Bam, so undiplomatic. Yeah, you bet it was. Insulting, yeah, absolutely. But just pitch perfect, yes again. Oh, and Trump wasn't even done with him yet. Look at this next tweet. Awaleed, Talal, has your country, Saudi Arabia, taken any of the Syrian refugees? If not, why not? Zinger. Of course, the Saudis haven't taken any Syrian refugees. Saudi Arabia has 100,000 air-conditioned tents sitting empty in the desert. They could hold more than half a million people, but they refuse to take a single Syrian refugee. They don't give a damn. They'd rather send Muslim extremists to the West than take any themselves. Great point by Donald Trump, but you know what my point is? Who would you rather have as America's commander-in-chief in in charge of American borders and American security, dealing with other world leaders, including princes from desert oil dictatorships? Would you rather have someone like Trump who slaps down any uppity prince with zingers, puts them in his place, or the oily Clintons who saw any foreign leader as a potential source for cash and who preferred to take tens of millions of dollars from foreigners behind closed doors. Yeah, America made the right choice in this election. Don't you think? Isn't that funny? Trump and the Saudis have become fairly close and they're helping to broker Middle East peace. Would you believe it? Now, one of my favorite things about Donald Trump is his support for oil and gas fracking and pipelines and mining, and his derision for the United Nations and global warming activists. Here's an old video I did on that. This is from 2017. What do you think? Today, Donald Trump pulled the plug on the global warming scam, not just the junk science, but more importantly, the entire industry that is built up around it, of bureaucrats and diplomats and politicians and lobbyists and people seeking grants for this and that and taxes.
1: Here, take a listen. The United States will withdraw from the Paris Climate Accord. Thank you. Thank you. But begin negotiations to reenter either the Paris Accord or in really entirely new transaction
0: doesn't go quite far enough in my books. He says he's open to renegotiating it. I mean, you can't be half-pregnant, either the whole thing's a scam or it isn't. You can't make America great again if you believe economic decisions could be made by the UN, and that's what any global warming agreement would be. It's really an economic plan, a plan of taxes and penalties and subsidies. It really doesn't have anything to do with the weather. I mean, seriously, honestly, do you actually think that by raising a carbon tax, you, you could change the weather? you really, really believe that? Does anyone really believe that? If so, you are not a scientist, you believe in superstition. Because not even the United Nations own Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, as it's called, not even they argue that their plans will change the weather. The most they claim is that if you do all the things they ask of you, and all the taxes and the bans and the subsidies, that over the course of the next century, 100 years, global warming will be a fraction of a fraction of a degree Less. It won't stop, it'll just slow down by a few months over a century, I- imperceptibly, over the course of a century, and, and that's their guess. So either you think that's a scam or you don't. I think Donald Trump thinks it's a scam. Uh, Trump went far enough, I think, and it's wonderful. It's a sign that despite the media insanity, despite the insane Russia, Russia, Russia conspiracy theories of the official media, despite the diabolical shrieking of pop culture mascots. Trump still remembers who elected him and why. He wasn't elected by Kathy Griffin, that weirdo with the bloody severed head. He was elected by coal miners in West Virginia and frackers in Pennsylvania and steel workers in Ohio and auto workers in Michigan. But it's not just that Trump remembers who won it for him. It's that he's from New York And so he's always on alert for scams and cons. New York City is a city that in some ways is or was synonymous with being mugged. If you don't know who the sucker is, it's probably you. So let me read to you a few of his comments about global warming going back years. Years before he ran for office. Just to show that he doesn't believe the global warming baloney. This is a tweet from three years ago. He said... Russia is on the move in the Ukraine, Iran is nuking up, and Libya is run by Al-Qaeda, yet Obama is busy issuing climate change warnings. (laughs) He's right. Here's another. Three and a half years ago, he said, The weather has been so cold for so long that the global warming hoaxsters were forced to change the name to climate change to keep money flow. He's done variations on that theme a lot. It's hilarious. He always points out that it's about the money. Here's one more tweet from back in 2013. He said, the con artists changed the name from global warming to climate change when global warming was no longer working and credibility was lost. See, Trump is tweeting as a street-smart New Yorker, warning you not to play the shell game. You know what I mean by the shell game? Because it's rigged. Don't be scammed. Do you think that Trump suddenly is going to lose that natural New York skepticism and believe in global warming, especially when global warming is designed to scam America more than any other country? That's not my opinion. That's a fact. Do you ever wonder why all this climate baloney is based on the year 1990, as in emissions are measured plus or minus from 1990? I mean, the Kyoto Protocol was written in 1997. Why didn't they use that date? Paris was 18 months ago. Why didn't they use that date? Well, the answer is a trick, uh, a con because 1990 was right when Europe was at its most polluting heights. The UK had not yet decommissioned many of its coal-fired power plants. It was about to, though, and all of Eastern Europe's Soviet-era factories, inefficient, outdated, high emissions, they were all still operating in 1990, but they were all about to be shut down and replaced with modern Western-style factories. So my point is, if you were in 1997, deciding your baseline year, you would know from seven years of hindsight that 1990 was your biggest emissions year ever in history for Europe, and that you already had huge reductions in emissions from 1990 to 1997, just from things you were doing for other reasons, whereas the United States wasn't about to shut down its Soviet-era factories, it didn't have any. It was already clean and modern. So if you were trying to build a system and get all the countries in the world to reduce their emissions, you would start when you'd start. But if you were trying to rig your baseline year to 1990, you'd already have a head start in hand, as in Europe wouldn't have to shut down a single factory or take a single car off the roads. To meet its continental target and it was allowed to have a europe-wide target only america and canada would actually have to make cuts isn't that a scam and of course kyoto had a plan if such cuts couldn't be made no problem kyoto protocol said america or canada would just have to pay countries like china carbon credits it was a scam it was rigged against america from the beginning like that shell game Which is why the entire United States Senate voted against the Kyoto Protocol, 95 to 0. Not even one single Democrat voted for the Kyoto Protocol. Did you know that? Oh, by the way, OPEC countries were exempt from Kyoto. Yeah, oil producers like Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Iran, exempt. It was all basically a tax grab for North American money. Now, the U.S. has resisted that tax. Al Gore probably would have implemented it, but he lost, thank goodness. And isn't it interesting that for all of his years of talk... The years when Obama controlled the White House and both Houses of Congress, he did not bring in a carbon tax, he didn't even try. He wasn't that crazy. Sure he brought in a bunch of bullying EPA laws, actually not laws so much as edicts, just executive orders, because he knew not even Democrats in Congress would go along with it, certainly not the Senate. Still, he hurt America, I mean, as he promised he would.
2: If somebody wants to build a coal-powered plant, they can. It's just that it will bankrupt them
1: because they're going to be charged a huge sum for all that uh, greenhouse gas that's being emitted.
0: Now, that was awful, but Hillary Clinton campaigned on going even further.
2: I'm the only candidate
1: which has a policy about how to bring economic opportunity using clean, renewable energy as the key into coal country, because we're going to put a lot of coal miners and coal companies out of business.
0: Yeah, can you imagine? Of course she blames the Russians for hacking the election instead of dumb comments like that. Well, look, her plans to lay off coal workers didn't happen. Donald Trump happened. And lucky for Trump, so much of the global warming scam was just orders and executive moves, not legislation that you would have to repeal. So it's as easy to undo as it was to do. And here's why that's important. See, Obama had declared war on coal and Obama's allies, not so much Obama himself, had declared war on fracking But the threat of carbon taxes and regulations was always present. Global warming was a nonstop talking point for anything in America. It was even the excuse Obama used for not attacking ISIS oil tankers.
1: We don't want to destroy these oil tankers because that's infrastructure that's going to be necessary to support the people um, when ISIS isn't there anymore, Um, and it's going to create environmental damage.
0: I've watched that clip ten times. It still shocks me. So there was a constant drumbeat from the top, a constant warning, a constant risk that Obama and God forbid Hillary Clinton would do something one day and things would get worse. It was like having a gun pointed at you if you're an industrialist. Well, now at least that is gone and the gun is a starter pistol telling American industry of every sort to build, drill, dig, mine. So it's a psychological change mainly, a lifting of the worst regulations in a few cases. And as we told you about Trump's proposed budget, Cutting the EPA by 31%, laying off literally thousands of job-killing bureaucrats, that's huge. It's a relief. It's a signal. It's an international signal, too. If you want to be a competitor uh, competitive to the United States now, you can't have a carbon tax on your own goods and services. If you want to sell into the United States now, you can't have a carbon tax. It just prices you out of the market. And if Donald Trump says the global warming emperor has no clothes, are you really going to be the country that insists, no, no, yes, he does have clothes, global warming clothes? Do you really want to be the last country in the world going down this carbon tax path? There's a mutual dependence, I, I think codependence is the word psychologists use. When everyone's doing a bad thing together, you, you give each other moral support, you give each other moral permission, but when one guy finally says, I'm sick of this, it's not cool anymore and leaves, everyone else says, oh, well, maybe it wasn't a good idea. It's the same way the Brexit vote in the UK made it okay for all manner of other Euroskeptics to fly their flag. Trump's election itself shows it's possible to dissent to change course. Australia already repealed its carbon tax. Now Eastern European countries are reconsidering their global warming commitments under the Paris Agreement in light of America's stance. And of course, OPEC wasn't going to do anything anyways. They're just mad that their chief rival for energy production now won't hobble itself. You know, America now produces more oil than Saudi Arabia because of the fracking boom in Texas and North Dakota. Look at some of these foreign countries, though. Furious that Trump wants to make America more competitive than them. Here's a story in the Daily Mail, and it's a great great roundup of other countries. In a Berlin speech, Chinese Premier Li Keqiang said that fighting climate change is a global consensus and an international responsibility. China in recent years has stayed true to its commitments, said Li, speaking in Berlin Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. China is the biggest carbon dioxide emitter in the world by far. American CO2 emissions have fallen for 10 years straight, by contrast. China's are growing every year, not that I care about carbon dioxide, it's harmless. It's all the real pollution in China that's a worry, like smog. But for China to lecture anyone on the environment, or even on CO2, is pure comedy. Mm. They're just mad America won't be gone into paying them for carbon credits or whatever other schemes and scams they had cooked up at the UN. Now, the head of the European Commission couldn't contain his anti-Americanism. Here's what he said. He said, uh, Trump doesn't comprehensively understand the terms of the accord though European leaders tried to explain the process for withdrawing to him in clear, simple sentences during summit meetings last week, Jean-Claude Juncker said in Berlin. It looks like that attempt failed, Junker said. This notion, I am Trump, I am American, America first, and I am getting out, that is not going to happen. (laughs) Yeah, I just think it happened. I think Trump completely does understand the global warming scam. He understands that it is a scam. Here are dozens of comments Trump has made over the years on global warming. I think he's pretty much figured it out, don't you? But yeah, if Kathy Griffin's severed head gambit won't convince Trump to change course, maybe some anemic EU bureaucrat sneering at America will do the trick. Of course, the worst are the globalist corporations. Here's them, and I quote, American corporate leaders have also appealed to the businessman turned president to stay, stay in the, car- in the global warming scam. They include Apple, Google, and Walmart. Even fossil fuel companies such as ExxonMobil, BP and Shell say the United States should abide by the deal. Hey guys, hey guys, uh, you can stay in the deal if you want. Hey guys, if you love the deal, why don't you pay carbon taxes voluntarily? I'm sure the rest of us would love your free tax dollars. You liars. It's super gross, I know, that's the final march of the left, the long march through our institutions. They went through academia, they went through the media, they went through the courts. They now are marching through even industrial companies, even oil companies. Even Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State who used to run Exxon, he wanted to stay in. Those guys are gross. Even the Pope is upset with Donald Trump about global warming. I wish the Pope tweeted as much about the fate of Christians in the Middle East who are facing real genocide from Muslim jihadists. I wish he tweeted as much about Christian genocide as he does about the fake non-genocide, non-Christian issue of global warming. But listen to Canada's own climate cultist, Catherine McKenna. Shallow, Kardashian-like cliches. Zero science background, a token quota appointee to cabinet by her own acknowledgement. Here she is today in Canada's state broadcaster. The state broadcaster is in mourning, but McKenna isn't in mourning. She is in denial. And I quote, Canada's just going to keep marching on like the rest of the world, McKenna told an event in Toronto just gonna keep marching on like undead zombies, like cult members, the last to leave, the last to get a message. Even by her own terms, it doesn't make sense to stay in the climate cult. If America pulls out of it, makes no sense for our economic integration with the states, makes no sense in terms of saving the planet. If China, the US, OPEC are all doing whatever they want, it makes no sense environmentally. But she's a cult member, as is the rest of Trudeau's senior advisors. They're going to hurt our country with their carbon taxes and and cap-and-trades and banning of cheap, clean, plentiful power and their subsidies for wind turbine schemes and solar panels. They're going to hurt all of us, but they themselves will just be fine. You bet they'll keep marching, or rather jetting, to the next luxurious UN global warming meeting. The next one's in Bonn, Germany. Trump just did last call, but for McKenna and Trudeau, the party never stops. I want to show you one more oil and gas related video, but it's actually not really about oil and gas. It's about the media missing the whole Trump phenomenon. Oil and gas is secondary here. This is also from back in 2016 after Trump surprised everybody. Take a look. A couple of days ago, a friend of mine in Pennsylvania sent me a picture of an editorial in his local newspaper. He took a snapshot of it. The headline is Trump Wins, and the entire editorial is... We have no words. And then a bunch of blank space. <laughs> now, this wasn't some student newspaper where some functionally illiterate millennial would just say, like Donald Trump, oh my God. No, this was a real newspaper, The Observer Reporter in Western Pennsylvania that has been publishing in one form or another since 1808. Here's their heritage building in Washington County, Pennsylvania. And the newspaper whose purpose it is to report things and analyze things, couldn't or, or wouldn't? We have no words, <laughs> isn't it your job to have words? I mean, you are a newspaper. It was so embarrassing that one of the paper's owners wrote this letter. As a former half owner of the Observer Reporter, I disassociate myself from the insulting blank page editorial about the election for president of the United States. My wife, Sally D. Northrup, who does own a small portion of the paper, is mortified. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Your own owners are disowning you. The newspaper seems to have deleted the original editorial from its website, but of course the internet is forever, and there it is, immortalized on Google Cash. But look, their editorial was stupid, but it was honest. I believe that the editors had no words because they had no clue. They don't know what to say because they don't know what arguments to make. At least that's more honest and more fair than lashing out at Americans, calling everyone racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, whatever. So I actually prefer the Observer Reporter to say the New York Times or CNN, who have no clue either, but cover up their ignorance by just insulting everyone and calling everyone names. But don't you think a newspaper especially a local newspaper in small town West Pennsylvania don't you think they should have a clue if not about Donald Trump at least about their own readers because Washington County went for Donald Trump huge 61 percent for Trump 36 percent for Clinton now in 2008 Washington County was pretty much 50 50 Republicans and Democrats then in 2012 it went Republican by a 13% margin, and then last week, a huge 25% margin, that's 24,000 votes. And remember, Pennsylvania, the whole state, only tipped Republican by 65,000 votes. Washington County was almost half of that gap. Washington County helped flip all of Pennsylvania into a Republican state for the first time since 1988. And the local newspaper had no clue about what's happening all around it. They were literally sitting on the story of the year. Rural, small town, blue collar America, rust belt, coal country, steel mills, folks who used to vote Democrat, now voting Trump nearly two to one, but they have no words. Oh my God. Hey, can I help a bit? I mean, I'm a Canadian, but I've been to Washington County three or four times in the past few years which is probably three or four times more than Hillary Clinton visited. Here I was, stopping at the turtle twist, naturally. But actually I went there to study how a poor, rust-belt part of America can make an economic comeback. See, Western Pennsylvania used to be all about coal and steel, but that's been tough going for 20-30 years, partly because of cheap competition from the Third World, and partly because of Democratic Party elites like Hillary Clinton.
1: We're going to put a lot of coal miners and coal companies out of business.
0: And partly because of Barack Obama, too. So if somebody wants to build a coal power plant, they can. It's just that it will bankrupt them. See, Clinton and Obama and all the fancy Democrats love their fashionable causes, like global warming.
2: I have made climate change a priority in my
0: current role as Secretary of State. Climate change is a threat to the security of the United States so those fashionable causes get applause in the new york times and at the united nations and in the fancy neighborhoods of manhattan and hollywood but in washington county pennsylvania talking about global warming and virtue signaling like that it really means sorry no job for you or your dad or your uncle or your son meantime china can't get enough coal and steel that's where the jobs are but along came fracking fracturing for natural gas just just in the nick of time and washington county has become the center of the fracking miracle in a geological formation called the marcellus shale more natural gas is produced in washington county and surrounding counties than anywhere else in america even more than texas it's amazing i've seen it for myself that's why i kept going down there it's created 200,000 jobs it's reduced energy prices for all Pennsylvanians too, by the way. It's turned the Rust Belt into a series of boom towns. That's what I kept going down there. I wanted to see if maybe Canada could learn how to turn around a struggling economy by allowing fracking technology in places like New Brunswick, where they ban fracking. Well, the Democrats hate fracking. All the Democrats and their celebrity entourage, Well, they all go into western Pennsylvania, call for a ban on fracking, and then go back to New York City. So they're calling for a war on the one industry that's still giving families in Pennsylvania jobs. And you're surprised that Washington County has gone so hard against the Democrats and for the Republicans. You know, the Democrats used to be the party of the guys who wore hard hats. Now, at least under Hillary Clinton, they're the party of... Goldman Sachs, and Saudi donors, and environmental activists in Yoko Ono. That's why Washington County went for Trump, nearly two to one, and even this Canadian tourist can see that. Okay, those are blasts from the past, but let me leave you with a fun new video from our newest contributor, Drea Humphrey. Take a
2: look at this. So I figured since David Menzies has been having so much fun covering the protests over on the east side of Canada. Actually, scratch that, maybe it's not always fun in games since David and some of the other crew members have been assaulted for covering such stories. But nevertheless, I thought it would be a good idea to highlight what a protest out here on the west side of Canada is like. I'm Drea Humphrey with rebelnews.com and on Sunday afternoon, approximately 50 people took to the streets of Vancouver, B.C. to protest the pandemic lockdown. This is part of an ongoing No New Normal protests that meet weekly. Protesters held signs in opposition to things like masks, contact tracing, lockdown restrictions during a march that started at the Vancouver Art Gallery. The No New Normal protesters want businesses, schools, churches, sports and community centers to be fully open, and they definitely don't want to be forced to wear a mask. The protest marchers attracted a lot of attention from public and some of it ended in peaceful disagreements, but not everyone there was opposed to the protests or the protesters' message. Numerous vehicles passing by honked in support as well as one pro-Trump black man who told me he was stranded in Canada during the coronavirus-inspired border controls. I asked him about Black Lives Matter, Canadian media's obsession with hating Trump, the pandemic new normal, and what he thinks is behind the new societal discord. I think you're really going to enjoy, or be blown away, I'm not sure, at what he has to say. Check it out. Okay, so you were just walking right by the protest and you kind of just said, hey, those are my people. Right,
3: absolutely, because I've been preaching the truth, uh, realizing that this whole COVID situation is all bullshit. Um, let me mic up. I'm oh, sorry, I'll just hold that. Okay. Yeah, I've just been realizing that this whole COVID thing has just been all bullshit. Um propaganda, uh, ways for them to continuously keep these borders closed. Uh the whole lockdown just had a whole effect on our whole our whole immune system, our whole our whole health. And um, you know, they just want us sick and what perfect the perfect timing with this election coming up in November. Um, and now, like, I'm an American citizen. Ooh. i actually been stuck here in Canada Ooh. since this whole situation has oh, transpired. Wow. Yeah, so...
2: Okay, so you're seeing both sides of everything. Right. What do you think about Canadians' obsession with hating Trump? What do you think that's all about?
3: It's the propaganda. Um, and I really think that I would advise people to use... For me, I didn't really know too much about politics, but what I seen was, it was a couple of times there was headlines saying, Trump said this, Trump said this. And after thoroughly investigating and watching the video or whatever it was that, whatever media or content was being promoted, and uh, I actually got to see what Trump was actually saying. It wasn't whatever the headlines were being pushed. So, for me, I've never seen in America, honestly, in all my life, I've never seen, um, and, and not to be, not to put labels on it racist, but white media attack a white man so much. I've never seen it ever in my life. So. I think that obviously there's something that he must be doing right because you know these people own all the all the major media outlets and um you know I know that they put they put propaganda out just for people to believe this this narrative that narrative but if people do the research and just and, and just dig a little deeper and have an open mind that they'll realize that like you know Trump is actually for the people and um I think that just you know America has just pressed this narrative that I think that, you know, people just assume like people, you know, most people are sheep. It is what it is. You know, I ain't here to play no games, but I feel like most people are just sheep and they fall into this into this way of thinking because that's how most people think. So right. I just, I just, my, my advice is for people to just do your, do your due diligence, do your research, um, just dig a little bit deeper and kind of block out the noise, the white noise, and everything that you've heard, and just kind of be informed, be informed, be informed for yourself. Right. Not like being informed based on what this person has told you, that person has told you. Um, but just do your own research and, and and have an open mind and discover your own opinion.
2: Right. And then, what about Black Lives Matter? Do you think that ties into any of all this, no. or?
3: But Black Lives Matter is government. Black Lives Matter is uh, uh, what, what's what's homeboy's name? Um,
2: Marxists or no
3: no no uh, 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 George Soros government boule like so black lives matter the, the movement has been hijacked it's not the, you know the movement has been infiltrated so yeah. um and and, I, and then when you really look at it you know what black lives matter only when it's police brutality black lives don't matter when them six children got murdered in Chicago on Father's Day where was where were they at then? They wasn't out marching and protesting and, and this and then. Black lives only matter when it's a, you know, when it's a form when when it's a police taking a black life, but not when another black person is taking another black life. So that whole movement is bullshit and it's just a form of distraction to keep people, keep us distracted, and to keep more more uh, more separation amongst the people, to keep us to keep us divided. Divide and conquer. It's a simple yeah. war tactic.
0: Well, that's our best of Trump montage. Thanks for tuning in. Now switch over to our YouTube channel to watch our election night live stream. Good night and good luck to all of us. We'll see you tomorrow.